You're listening to Semper Reform on the Radio, where the Bible alone and the Bible in its entirety is applied to all of life. There are many people who do not want to hear the truth because it will shake up the false hope they have that they're going into heaven when indeed they are not. Christ is our King. Scripture is our law. Scripture and the laws of our country now collide head on. Now, just to make it clear, we don't bow down to Caesar. So what does Paul do when he gets his big shot at the Areopagus? Watch him. Now, not only has Paul not compromised in order to get here, but once he's here, he says, your worldview is wrong, your philosophy is wrong, it's not just wrong, it's an affront to God, you ought to know better, you're in sin. But the good news is, God has extended to you an opportunity to repent. All right, welcome everybody to Semper Reformanda Radio. My name is Tim, and I'm going to be your host for today. Uh, Joseph Rios will not be joining us, but we have somebody else in the house who is who needs no introduction. He is a big name, but I'm not going to tell you who he is right now. First, I want to remind everybody that we are part of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network, and well, there's a lot going on. I'm looking at. I'm looking at this new uh, flyer that Tim Hurd sent me, and I'm just—I don't know if this has been announced yet. So I don't know if I'm going to mess this up, but uh, it looks like we are going to be adding a couple of new podcasts. And I want to remind everybody to check out the other podcasts that are out there. You have uh, the Bible Thumping Wingnut Crew. You have Semper Reformanda Radio, which is us. You have Conversations from the Porch, and then I see here that there's uh, going to be Grappling with Theology. I. I think they're new. Uh, you have Slick Answers with Matt Slick of Karm.org. You have Striving for Eternity with uh, Andrew Rappaport. Um, that guy's uh, I don't know. I don't know about Andrew. Um, <laughs> you have Shine as Lights, and they are also New Covenant Theology, so let them know that they're doing New Covenant Theology better than the conversations from the port. See how that turns out. And then you have Wrath and Grace, and you have Theology Gals. Theology Gals, I have it on good authority that that is Colleen who was formerly part of the ladies love theology so I'm looking forward to that looking forward to some presbys some good old reformed presbys to balance out the the new covenant crews and uh, and then I mean I'm a reformed baptist who's slightly charismatic and so I I don't know where I fall into but then you have Logical Belief, and that sounds really interesting. I can't wait to hear what this podcast is, is about. And then uh, I just want to inform everybody that we are a ministry that is under Striving for Eternity. If you want to learn more, uh, go to strivingforeternity.org. Now, let me introduce my guest. Well, actually, he doesn't need any introduction. Uh, I have with me today Andrew Rappaport. So, Andrew, I want to say thank you for coming on to Semper Reformanda Radio. This is your first time here, right? That is correct. And uh, <laughs> you, thanks, you've, thanks for having me. Well, yeah, 
I'm I'm very glad to have you. I hate I'm I'm wondering if I should have brought you on with a lighter topic to start off with. That would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that I asked well, Joseph's not here today because I asked him to sit this one out. Um and he's preparing some stuff on lordship salvation and free grace and all that. There's a there is some talk in some Facebook groups that we wanted to address. And so he's preparing some stuff on that. Carlos is preparing some stuff as well, but I'm not sure if he's ever going to get back to me. And, and and that's not a knock on him. Carlos is doing the right thing. He is super busy right now. So, so um, I just want to, I would just want to make that clear. Uh, and then I'm also hoping to do something with Owen Pond in the future. So just, you know, that's what's going on with us. But what, so, okay, let's just go ahead and get right into this. What I want to talk about today is the cost of obedience and what that looks like when it costs us relationships, when it costs us our, you know, I, I want to say popularity, but I don't think of, I mean, I'm not popular, but our likability. Uh, when when we we say things and then people just you know because we're 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 Christian and we're we're telling people about the gospel people all of a sudden don't like us anymore and right off the bat I, I'm going to let everybody know that this episode is probably going to be very difficult for myself and for Andrew and uh, Andrew I I know that you know this uh, some of it but I'm you know I'd like to tell you a little bit more about it but this last week I got into trouble with a lot of my family members and when I say that I got into trouble I don't I mean I mean that they're pretty upset with me and my my background my family background is that most of my family is Roman Catholic so if you've been listening to our podcast and you can immediately, I mean, if you have any, any hint of discernment, you can figure out why my family would be upset with me. And let me, let me just go ahead and tell you how this, how this happened and what, what came about a couple of nights ago, I got a text message from my cousin. I have two cousins who are, who are Protestants who are Bible believing Christians. And about two nights ago, or a couple of nights ago, actually, I got a text message from one of my cousins, and he said, you know, hey, uh, what did you do to share your faith with your dad? And I've wanted to share my faith with my dad for a long time. He's a Roman Catholic. He and I don't see eye to eye on this. And um, I said, I, I haven't. Like, I, I have not been able to share my faith with my dad. I get shut down every single time we can't really even have a conversation about it and he said well i'm trying to share some stuff with my mom who is my aunt and who is also roman catholic my dad has a large family most of most of the older generation they're roman catholic and uh he said he said i shared your podcast with her and i said good um, i'm i'm glad i mean i you know i hope that they would that they would hear it i hope that i didn't send it out to anybody um but I hope that they that they would hear it. And he said, "No, that's not good." And I, I said, "Well, like, what happened?" And he says, "Well, she's furious, and she sent it to my other aunt, and my other aunt sent it to 
some other family members. And then I, the next day I get a call from my other cousin, my other cousin who, whose name is Richard and my first cousin's name is Dawson. And I get a call from, I get a text from Richard and he says, Hey bro, I just had a 30 minute conversation about your podcast. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, that's spreading fast. Okay. And I was like, good. I'm, I'm glad. And he says, well, he says, they're, they're pretty upset. And I said, well, I mean, I, I, I guess I sort of expected that that, I mean, I hoped that that wouldn't happen, but I expected that it might. And some of the things that have been, you know, people asking questions, why am I, or people are basically accusing me of being hateful. Uh, people are accusing me of just, uh, somebody said that I would make a good cult leader. And uh, it's really interesting when I hear that because I do a podcast for Christians and I think we have on a good day, maybe 900 listeners on a, I mean, on a good day, probably about 1,500 at the most. On on a bad day, 900 listeners. I don't know. I, I know maybe about five people that listen I, I, that I know personally. I don't know. Well, Andrew, you're one of them. Okay, so maybe six. But <laughs> um, I know about five people that, that – five or six people that, that listen. And I don't want anything from them. I want them to go to their own church, a Bible-believing church. I want them to invest in their own communities. I, I'm not asking for any money. So when I hear things like that, it just it it comes off as angry slander, angry rhetoric. And um, you know, one of one of my family members asked, you know, why do I hate Roman Catholics? And then they asked uh, if I hate Jews, which. <laughs> Andrew, you're you're Jewish, right? Yes, I am. Okay, and we get along great. So, <laughs> no, I I don't hate Jews. I don't hate Roman Catholics. And and the other thing is, so I mean, my family heard this one this one episode, and it was the uh, "Are Roman Catholics Saved?" And I, I said that that Roman Catholics are not Christians, and we can get into that a little bit as to why why I believe that, but. Here's before we even begin to dialogue about, and I'm hoping to have conversations with my family. I'm hoping that we can come to the table. Apparently, they're going to prepare a response to me, and I'm I'm fine with that. I I'm I, I welcome it actually. I hope that they do. I hope that I hope that they do. I mean, I hope that it's not just angry. You know, I, I hope that it, that they they can put their anger aside and make some some arguments uh, for why they believe that the Catholic Church is is right, or why I am not, why I'm wrong for saying that they're wrong. But before I before we even get to that, this is this is what I want to. Th this is the main thing that I want them to get is that I don't hate any of them. I don't hate anybody that I talk to. We had an atheist on the show, a guy by the name of Benjamin, who I really like. I think Benjamin was a very likable guy. I don't hate him, even though we disagree. And my, my plea would be to not equate disagreement with hatred. This is what happens in the homosexual community all the time. It's you don't affirm my homosexuality, you, you, you don't affirm 
same-sex marriage, therefore you hate me. And I think that that's dis that that's intellectually. I don't want to say dishonest, but I'm I'm trying to figure out what that is. What what it is is we live in a culture now, unfortunately, where terms like intolerance and bigotry have lost their meaning. Intolerance means that I am accepting of your view, though you might disagree with me. I'm accepting of your view. Tolerance has now come to mean you must be accepting of my view. As long as my view is what the main culture is accepting. But it, it's really, we've redefined the words. And I, I think some of what we see is some of the most intolerant people calling for tolerance. They're demanding that people like us be silenced because we're not mainstream, because our views aren't accepted. And in the same notion, they're saying that we're not being tolerant of them. And it, it always, it, it kind of cracks me up to see that they can't see the irony, that they're demanding we be tolerant of them as they're being intolerant of us. But there's a reason, I think, why we see that. We see that because we have a lot of people who have, especially, I would say, in America now, the next generation's definitely grown up with an entitlement mentality. But a lot of people cannot separate their emotions from their thinking. They feel their way nowadays through decision-making. And that gets people in trouble. And it gets people to, to not be able to see the decisions they're making as clearly as if they weren't emotionally tied to something. And that's why we can see we can see fault in someone else, even if it's the same sin that we do. We can see it in someone else, even though it's hard to notice it in ourselves. Which is yeah. exactly why Jesus had to say, you know, you, to to the Pharisees, like, you know, get get the toothpick out of, you know, you're worried about a toothpick in someone's eye, and yet you got a log in yours, right? There's there's an issue there where we can see in someone else what we can't see in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, this is what I want to do. I want to play a clip from an atheist uh, by the name of Pendulette. Pendulette is a uh, is a world class magician. A lot of people know who he is. Uh, so uh, this video is on YouTube. You can you can check it out. But I want to go ahead and play the video. It's about five minutes long. And somebody has given Pendulette a Bible and. I want everybody out there who is thinking that I hate people, I want them to hear what Pendulette has to say about a guy who gave him a Bible because he at least has the right perspective in this area and understands that the person that's giving him a Bible is doing so because he cares about him. So let me go ahead and play this. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we uh, we talk to folks and you know sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age, and um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. 
Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, you know, the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show. And uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me. And then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. 
All right, so that's Penn Gillette, and he's talking about his experience in which a guy came up to him and, and gave him a Bible. And I, I, I'm not wanting people to be as complimentary of me as, as Penn Gillette is being of this Christian. Uh, you know, Penn Gillette was, was very courteous and, and complimentary to the individual. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for praise. But what I am looking for is that you give me an honest shake and you give me you at least have the the decency to recognize that just what what Pendulet said who is an atheist who I believe if he does not receive Christ as a savior that he will stand before a holy and righteous God and he will have to give an account for all his sins and he knows that he knows that that's what Christians believe and he he's he's at least willing and he has the 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 integrity to look at somebody who's who's coming to him and say, I recognize that this is because this is what you believe, and it's because you love you, you love your neighbor. So my hope is that my family would get that. My hope is that if you are sharing your faith with your family, and God bless you. You are going to be, you're going to see people who you love turn away from you. And it's ex extremely difficult. This is the cost of obedience. This is the cost of, of following after Christ. My hope is that my family would, would understand that I'm I'm putting I'm doing a podcast for Christians. And I want it to be super clear. I want it to be I want it to be super clear where I stand because I believe that people's eternal salvation is on the line. I believe that that people's you, you know just just what Pendulet said, how much would I have to hate you to not warn you of of the judgment that's to come? How much would I hate you to to see a, a truck barreling down the road and you don't see it and for me to say and do nothing. I'm not I'm not doing this because I hate people. I'm doing this because I love my neighbor. And I'm doing this because I love Christ. And my hope in all of this is look, people have heard the gospel and and it, we, we live in a time the reason that I'm I'm making it clear about Roman Catholicism is because People think that Roman Catholics and Christians are the same, and they're not. If you, if you, th this is this is the question that. Well, I'll ask this question a little bit later uh, when when we get into it. But that's that's my heart. That's my motive. The whole reason that I'm doing this podcast is to put something out there for for other Christians in the hopes that they can that they can share something with their family in the hopes that they can share something with their friends. I don't know who our listeners are, but I'm grateful for Tim and Len to give me the platform to to do this. And I knew, I knew that this was going to cost me. I, I, uh, just a small amount of, in, uh, of foresight told me this. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll share something with you. When I, when I did the episode on Roman Catholicism, I was, I was in prayer a lot about that episode. And I told a family member, and, 
And her first response was, oh, Tim, if they ever find out that you did that, they will be so mad. <laughs> and I had, to tell, I had to tell my family member, I'm okay if they hear that. I, I mean, it would be better that they hear. It would be better that they, that they look into these things for themselves and they see that the Roman Catholic Church and the Bible contradict each other. And so I, I, I knew that this was going to happen. I, was, I, was, I thought I was prepared for it. I'm, you know, I'm struggling through it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take this episode, because I think they've only heard like one or two episodes from the podcast. And it's like we've talked about the LGBTQ agenda. We've talked about atheism. We've talked about New Covenant theology. And, you know, those guys are brothers in the Lord, but they know and we know that we disagree with them. Um, you know, we've we've talked about, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of other things. We, maybe maybe we haven't been around long enough to talk about a lot of stuff, but we've we've talked about other things. It's not just been bashing on on them. And we have a couple of episodes coming up where we're going to talk about the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons. And you know, our podcast. If you listen, if you listen to the intro. The, the the first part of our podcast is, uh, oh, I forgot what it said. It says uh, Semper Reformanda Radio, where where the Bible alone and the Bible in its in its entirety is applied to all of life. That's our goal, is to apply the Bible as a whole and in, in its entirety to all of life. Why would Roman Catholicism not fall under that? Why would these other religions not not fall under that? Of course, they're you know they should be critiqued from from a biblical standard, and the 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 first person speaking on our podcast is is a quote from Paul Washer. I'll, I'll let everybody know that I chose this clip from Paul Washer specifically because of my experience. The the Paul Washer says there are many people who. Do not want to hear the truth because it'll shake up the false hope that they're going into heaven when indeed they're not. This has been my experience where people, you, you try to share your faith with them and you try to tell them, you know, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, John 14, 6. And they, they want to they wanna do it every other way. They want to use their good works. They want to just believe that they're good. They want to believe, you know, in... in this or that, and and reject what Christ has said, and they do not want to hear the truth because it'll shake up the false hope that they're good with God, that they're right with God, when indeed they're not. That's that was put in there intentionally. As much as as much as we try on this show, we have a a more serious show, and I I know that, and I, um, you know. <laughs> We, we could probably lighten up a little bit. Uh, hopefully, uh, Joseph don't. has some. Andrew or Joseph, maybe you got you got some jokes. I don't know. <laughs> but, don't lighten up. I like it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But that was put in there intentionally. And I, I'm hoping that I have an ear with people. And if I don't, then okay, I, I don't. Um, if you're not willing to hear me out, if you're not willing to listen to me, then then. I understand. I can I can love you and respect you in light of that. I'm hoping that you can do the same for me. Now, Andrew, I want to give you an opportunity to share some of the experiences that you've had with your family because you are you are Jewish and 
uh, you know, I, I take it that your family is still Jewish and uh, you becoming a Christian has caused some problems in your family. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and I, I know that you have a break with, with your father. You were asking for prayer. Would you would you be willing to open up about that and, and talk about that? Yeah, and, and, and let me first say, I mean, as Christians, and I'm open to Matthew chapter 10 and, and verse 16, he says, Behold, I'm, I'm sending you out. And this is to his disciples. He says this, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent and doves. And, and he goes on. So in the context where, where he's talking about people, he's sending his disciples out into the world and he wants them to know the world's going to be against them. People are not going to like it. But but at verse 34, he says something that really, it causes a lot of people to, to step back. And in, in verse 34, Matthew 10, verse 34 starts and, he, and Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace to earth. And people go, what? <laughs> of course, he, he's the Prince of Peace. What do you mean? He says, I did not, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I have come to bring, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against father, a daughter against mother, a mother-in-law against their daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and whoever does not take his cross and follow is not worthy of me whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it and the issue there is and for people who may listen who don't know Christ who uh, or, or think they know Christ my thing that I, I would say is people need to realize that it's not that we're looking to create warfare um, as as the the media would say it but we put God, above other people we put god first and that flies in the face of a culture that says we should put people before god and and so that's why christ could say that he's not saying he's he's looking to create warfare he's saying that if you're going to put people before him you have your priorities wrong and and i had to come to terms with that i i became a christian at the age of 16 and, uh, you know, my family, uh, as was mentioned, was Jewish. Uh, my father was raised Orthodox. My mother uh, died when I was about 10 years old. So my father remarried. So when I refer to, if I refer to my mom, I'm referring to my stepmom after, uh, you know, in this. Uh, but I, I call her my mom. I don't really make the distinction there. But uh, when I, I was 16, I was off uh, on a you know, with a bunch of Jewish kids and uh, we we're on a tour and the bus driver was a Christian. He shared the gospel with me. I'm not, I won't get into details of, of my testimony. Uh, if you're interested, you could, uh, on my website, Striving for Eternity, we have that. Uh, but the, the thing is, is that when I, I was so afraid to say anything to my parents, 
I was a Christian for two years before my parents found out. So I became a Christian at 16. And I was like one of these stealth Christians. I mean, I'd like, I, I, I discovered Chick Tracks. I don't know if, you're, if you've seen those <laughs> little comic book things. And, you know, and I used to slip them in my friend's lockers at, at school and all. And I was trying to do what I could, but I, I didn't have the, the courage because I didn't know the scriptures. I didn't know them well enough to, I felt, to defend against what would happen with my folks. And I went off to college. I come back and uh, my parents ended up, for some reason, when I was away one night, I was home for Christmas break. My mom went through my room and found a bunch of Christian literature that I had brought home. And they discovered I was a Christian. And... um, Yeah, I'm sorry if I, I still sometimes get emotional about uh, this stuff still gets because uh, uh, it, it strikes close. And, and I, had, I had told Tim before we did this that I, I haven't spoken in, in too much detail, at least publicly about uh, I have mentioned some things, but not as, as much. But my, my, my parents actually, when I came home that night, told me that they discussed bearing an empty cost casket and I was going to be dead to them in other words and this is something that that does happen within Jewish families is they will treat you as if you know you don't exist anymore uh, there was an in uh, something that happened and my my dad told me point blank that the family situation that happened and had that not happened he said you would be dead to us uh, and because of a different thing by the providence of God they chose not to do that. And uh, I remember sitting there, a very long, very difficult conversation with my parents. I tried to explain to them why I became a Christian, why I believe what I believe, <laughs> why they should too. Uh, and my mother, my mother um, is, is a different type. My, my stepmother is different than my mother. My stepmother was one of these people that would like slap her children, uh, you know, and so she was more physical and, um, than than my, my mom was. And so, um, she got very upset over it and started hitting me because she was so upset, not hard. I mean, enough to, you know, to, to sting enough to, you know, uh, she her her finger got caught in, in a necklace that I got in my bar mitzvah and, and it broke. Um, but it it was it, it was something that hurt more emotionally that uh, than physically. And so my parents trying to deal with this. Uh, my folks, even though they're you know they're very uh, reasonable people in the sense. And what's what they did was they took me to the rabbi. <laughs> Good thing for you know to do. He, the, my parents figure we don't know religion well. <laughs> Let's go to the rabbi. And so the rabbi, you know, really basically had the view of, hey, stick to your own religion type of behavior. And what happened was is the rabbi's response uh, when it came down to it was I looked at the 90, the, the, in Daniel 9, the 70 weeks of, of Daniel, if you're familiar with that passage. And I said, look, Daniel gives us a 490-year period of 
when the Messiah should show up. That was 2,500 years ago. Where is he? <laughs> you know, that's when the rabbi was like, okay, I'm, I'm done with you. Just stick to your religion. <laughs> you know, he was like, I study with Southern Baptists. It's fine to study with them, but you got to stick to your religion. So, you know, that didn't work. So they, they brought me to a psychiatrist, a Jewish psychiatrist. <laughs> and uh, his conclusion uh, was that uh, I needed some emotional stability because uh, my, of my mother's death. And I was like, really? I was a Christian for two years before I met any other Christians. Where was I getting this stability? I must have been getting it from Christ. You, you're, you're validating what I'm saying. And uh, so basically what he did was he asked me to step outside. He told my parents, just, just ignore it. It's a, it, it's a problem that'll go away. And that's pretty much what my parents tried to do for a good portion. But, you know, even though they were trying to ignore it, there's pent up frustrations and hostility that that happens because things aren't discussed and it it's it's a topic that i could not bring up with my parents i i could not talk about christ without it uh without it having some serious repercussions physically as well even to the point uh, i was 46 years old and thanksgiving I decided to try to talk to my dad. Now, part of the reason I talked to my dad was he he likes to use, as many Jewish people do, he likes to use the name Jesus Christ as foul language. And it really bothers me. And so I had asked if he could refrain from that. And just bringing up the topic of Christ, I think, let loose all of the emotion that he had uh, pent up. And... He stood up. Now, I, I have a background in martial arts. I know I know true aggression versus someone that's just talking, talking. My father was a Golden Gloves boxer. He knows how to throw a punch, and I know that. So I stood up to defend myself because I was sitting in a chair and had nowhere to go but backwards into, into a glass. Uh, so I, I stood up, and I don't know, Tim, if you've ever had this where – Everything just like it goes in slow motion. And and that's what happened to me. I can remember sitting there and and he was throwing a punch. And all of a sudden, in the last second, I was ready. I'm moving to, to block it. Last second, I see him open a palm. And I said, and I, literally, it's amazing how fast the human brain can work. Because I'm thinking through these things. I'm going, I remember thinking, you know, it'd be better to let him slap me because it's not going to hurt that much, but blocking may cause a greater amount of aggression. So I let him just slap me and he, he slapped me and then followed it up with a right hook. <laughs> this and, was, and then, uh, this was this last Thanksgiving? No, or? this was not this last Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, cause I thought things went better yeah. this last Thanksgiving. Yeah, okay. This last Thanksgiving, uh, you know, because of that, that was a couple years ago and this, and so on Facebook, and this is how a lot of people ended up knowing that, there were issues with my family was I asked for prayer because I really was nervous. It's the first time we were having a Thanksgiving with the whole family. Again, it's the first time that we had this year's Thanksgiving is the first time since that incident. And it was, it was hard. I was, I was very nervous. Um, but you know, God's providence, and I'll, I'll say this for, for specifically for you, Tim, and for others who have gone through it, there's a tendency for many and it's easier to just walk away from family in some sense it's easier when family is 
disagreeing on these areas to just say, you know what, I'm just not going to get together with family and not continue to try to build the relations. I mean, if you listen to that video from Penn Jillette, how many times just I encourage people to listen to that full video and just listen to how many times he says that the guy was a nice guy. He looked me right in the eyes. He was sane. I think that that was coming out of things other than the guy sharing the gospel. He was having a conversation with him and Pendulette just recognized the character of, of this person. And when my, my parents turned against uh, Christ, they turned against me because of Christ. Uh, when I was 18, I determined that I was, I, I couldn't bring up the subject, but I wanted to have a character as much as possible to just love them and and try to not upset them they they i mean i was able to share the gospel with them sometimes uh, more when i got married my wife has been able to do it more than i my my son had tried once but they've heard the gospel i i trust that uh i need to to live in such a way that they are going to want to hear want to at least let me talk about it and and actually you know you'd think that going through a situation where your dad hits you is not really comfortable but it got my mom to say okay you know i've never really given you the time to 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 really explain why you made this decision so explain it to me and it did give me an opportunity to to share she did wasn't really receptive and but you know it's 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 easier sometimes to walk away, but you know, this past Thanksgiving where I was so worried about it, but I think because of the number of people that were praying for things to, to go well, um, it really did. I think that my dad, my dad's a very, very proud man, and he came as close as I think he ever could to apologizing uh, by saying that we were both wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I took me a bit to figure out what was I right? Was I wrong because my I, my face got in the way of your fist? I wasn't sure, but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh yeah. Those are those are sometimes the ones we have to just take on the chin. Well, I think yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think what he me meant is because I brought the name, I brought the issue up. He felt that right. that was wrong for me to do, and he felt it was wrong for the reaction he had, and. The reason we got he did that was really because of something that was discussed that really was unexpected. And this is where I say God's providence. Some may know, some may not know that there was a time in my life I was homeless. And that gets into how I met my wife. Um, well, the reality is, is that my dad never knew that. I mean, that was over 30 years ago. And he realized that I never shared that with him and that I was I was so struggling for for money. And I mean, my my family is is well to do. Uh, you know, my dad would have the resources to be able to to take care of me, but I wouldn't I didn't go to him. And he felt it was because of the Christianity. Uh, it, it wasn't. But that's that's what he felt. And he. He, he really was upset because he felt that because of Christ, because of me turning to Christ, that he did something to our relationship 
where I couldn't turn to him. And it got him to really reflect on, on our relationship and things have improved. Now, I, I don't feel like things have improved where he's receptive to Christ, but it, it's it's years of continuing to pray and try and it's hard. I think any of us who've gone through this with family, Tim, you're going through this now. It's hard because you love them and you care for them. And realistically, it's hard for them to hear this sometimes, but you don't want to see them go to hell. And, and not that we're saying we, you know, we wish them to go. That's what my, my dad thought that I felt, that I wished he would go to hell. And that's what, what got him to have that reaction. It's not that I wish that he'd go to hell. It's not that I wish any of my family would. It's that that's the reality for every human being apart from Jesus Christ. And apart from Christ, we will all rightly spend eternity in a lake of fire because we've broken God's law. He's infinitely holy. And there's a consequence to that. And, you know, we turn to family and, and share these things with a broken heart because we love them so much. I, I can remember a time... Uh, when I was so broken over my family, I, and th this was early in my life as a Christian, uh, before I read what Paul had written, I think. But I remember praying one time, and I, I really meant this. I said to, to the Lord, I would be willing to spend eternity in hell, in the lake of fire, if you would save all of my family. Hmm. And Paul ends up saying that for the Jewish people. He he, he said, he, you know, if he could be condemned for, for the nation. It, sorry. It, it's really something that... It's something that uh, people who've gone through this understand the feelings, maybe. But we love our family. And the thought of not being with them in eternity is what hurts more than any of the physical abuse that I've taken, any of the emotional abuse um, that I've taken. I have a mother who passed away. I have no reason, and this is people think this is insane for me to say this, I have no reason to believe that my mother, who I love dearly and think she was wonderful, I have no reason to believe that she's not in hell right now because she didn't know Christ. Now, some, some, there could be a deathbed conversion. That could always happen. But I don't, I don't put a false hope in things. I, I'm realistic to realize that uh, she may be there, and that's heartbreaking. Well, can we, can we just go ahead and, and talk a little bit more about that? Because that... <sighs> So when when we talk about this this stirs up all sorts of questions and and I want to I want to comment on a couple of things that you said you said that you that you hid this for 2 years before coming out to your family because you knew what was going to ensue and I I mean I I thank you so much for sharing your your experiences because I think that there are people out there who need to hear this I think that there are people out there who are wanting to share their faith with their family, 
don't know how, don't know when, and it's such a difficult thing to navigate. I'll, I'll just let everybody know. I, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting that my family thinks that this is a new development. I've been Protestant for probably about 15 years now, and I a number of years ago, one of my cousins, she uh, actually this was over 10 years ago, one of my cousins, under the the guidance and counsel of my grandmother, who was who was Roman Catholic wrote me a letter, a handwritten letter, three-page handwritten letter, telling me to come home to Holy Mother Church and that I would um, that I would not be saved if I didn't come home to Holy Mother Church. And I wrote her a 22-page response, typed, explaining to her exactly why I was, I was a Christian, why I was a, a Bible-believing Christian, why these, you know, hey, Andrew, can you... Hold on for just one second. Mm-hmm. Okay. My wife, uh, my wife let the dogs into the garage, so they're knocking around on on the floor. Um, oh, I wasn't hearing anything. Okay. Well, I good. guess you're gonna do editing, huh? Well, no. Well, I'm, this this is what it is right now. <laughs> um. So, for those of of my family who think that this is just something new, I. I I used to discuss this stuff with my grandma for 10 you know over 10 years ago and I loved her and she knew she knew that I loved her and she knew what I believed in and I knew what she believed but when we when we talk about this the, the there are some very very difficult questions that we have to answer I it, it's it's so difficult that it's like I, I I don't even want to have the conversation and it's basically what you brought up about your mother because everybody you know it's like okay if I'm saying that you're not Christian if I'm saying that that you know you're not you, you know you're not believing the gospel of Jesus Christ that actually saves that, that the Roman Catholic system is a false system it's a false hope then what does that mean about the family members who are Roman Catholic who are who we, we've we've had a number of family members who've, who've already died as Roman Catholics this is this is extremely difficult and and somebody told me once they said well Tim if I believe what you believe if I if I accept what you say is true then that means that my family is not in heaven and I just can't accept that. And I said to them, I said, well, that's not how we evaluate truth. And the analogy that I, that I often give is that, you know, let's say you have some family members on a plane and the plane goes down in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And there's absolutely no evidence that they made it safely to shore. There's no evidence that they survived the, the, the crash. And, and you point out, you know, it's been four months. Nothing, nothing has shown up. They've exhausted resources trying to find the plane. And you say, you say to your loved one, you know, when 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 planes crash, people die. And you 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 have this other person look at you and they say, well, if I believed what you said that when planes crash, people oftentimes die, then that means that my family is more than likely dead. 
and I just can't accept that. I just, I just can't, I can't accept it. So therefore, I'm going to reject it. That's not how we evaluate truth. That's not how we. I mean, if if what if if it is true that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, if it is true that there is no salvation under any other name. Uh, I believe the, the verse is Acts 4.12, that there's no other name given under among men by which we must be saved. Then you rejecting that has consequences. And if I, if I truly believe that, then, then obviously I don't want you to have to go through that. I, I want to, to, to plead with you to tell you, you know, come, come to Christ. There, there's forgiveness. All, all you have to do is accept that Christ died on the cross for your sins and, and place your, your, your faith and your trust in him alone, not trusting in your, in your own works, not trusting in, in the saints, not trusting in um, you know, a, a future Messiah that hasn't come yet. If th this, is, this is one of the most difficult questions that, that I think that we have to face, and I think that a lot of people out there, they, they just they, it's like the implications of this are more difficult and I, I think that this is this is a stopping point for a lot of people and I, I get that because I, I get how difficult it is the implications are, are so difficult that I don't even want to think about about that and so to, to my family I would ask this question I would say do you believe that I am going to hell because I'm not a Roman Catholic? Because that's what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. That if you're not a Roman Catholic, that you're not that you're not going to, to go to heaven or even purgatory. Now well, I was baptized as a Roman Catholic. You gotta, you gotta be careful with that because the Catholic Church has been changing on that, right? Well, but so, here, here's the thing though. The Council of Trent declared that the judgments of, of Trent were infallible and we have a pope that is becoming far ecumenical but official church dogma official church teaching and it, it's really it's it's really and interesting they've never changed it they've never said that what was taught in trent was wrong they, they haven't right. you're right they haven't it's really kind of funny to watch roman catholic apologists trying to clean up the statements of the, of the current pope because he's he's extremely ecumenical giving uh, atheists a pass giving homosexuals a pass and uh I think now there's even more, and what 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 the Catholic Church is trying to do is they're trying to draw people back to the Catholic Church. So that's why we see the ecumenicism. But the the Council of Trent, which was declared anathema, uh, essentially stated that uh, the, the doctrine of justification by faith alone, which is what Protestants believe, was was an anathema, and that those who I mean they they excommunicated Luther, they they declared that anyone who believes that is lost. So my question is, do you believe what the Roman Catholic Church teaches? And do you believe that if, I, if I'm not a Roman Catholic, that I'm going to hell? Now, the reason I ask that is because if you don't believe that I'm going to hell, and a lot of people will say, no, I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. So why are you upset with me? Because I likewise don't believe what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. We're in the same boat. And well, and if you if you do believe that I'm going to hell, 
then why haven't you tried to warn me? Why? I mean, we can have a conversation about that, but why are you upset with me? Because I believe that if you don't accept Christ, that you're going to hell. Or if, if you don't accept Christ, that you're not gonna that you're not gonna have everlasting life. Why are you upset with me for believing something very similar to to what you believe? So it's it's I, either way. I, and I, I'd like to, you know if I, I've heard that my family is going to respond to me, I'd like to I'd like for them to respond to that. Do you think that I'm going to hell? Because my grandma, who is a Roman Catholic, she said as much. She, she said if you're if you don't die as a Roman Catholic, then then you're you're not going to go to heaven and you're not even going to go to purgatory which by the way i reject the the doctrine of purgatory it's either hell or it's heaven there's no second chances after after life i mean yeah what is it hebrews 9 27 it's appointed for a man to die once and then comes to judgment so i th that that would be my question for them and in in trying to answer the difficult questions i you and I are not alone. I mean, they, they want to ask these difficult questions about, well, what about family so-and-so? What about this person? Well, we're not alone in having to answer that. I mean, and and the thing is, if you, look, if, if what, Andrew, maybe you know the reference, but Paul essentially said, if the resurrection isn't true, if what we're saying isn't true, then we're, we're, we're to be pitied. First yeah. Corinthians 15. Thank you. We're, we're to be pitied. So, if if and the interesting thing is that the younger generation of my family, my cousins, we talk about this. I have a cousin who I I think she's an atheist. She's a, maybe an agnostic. My other cousin's an agnostic. My other cousin uh, was the one that wrote me the letter about Roman Catholicism. She's now fallen away from Roman Catholicism. We've we've talked about it. Um, you know, and. I'm so grateful that my cousins Richard and my cousin Dawson are, are Christian. My sister is also a Christian, and I'm so grateful for that. But we talk about it. We we love each other. I they they know where I stand. I know where they stand. Um. You know I, and the the verse that I'm reminded of more often than not is Galatians four sixteen. Let me go ahead and and look that up real fast. Hold on, I have it in my notes. And while you while you are looking that up, let me just say this, you know, because maybe some of your family heard what you just said, and and you know, and other people too, and say, what do you mean we're we're Catholic, we're Christian too? And you know, when you're saying Christian, when I'm saying Christian versus Roman Catholic, there is a difference there. I mean, when when the Catholic Church says we're Christian too. When at the same time saying, if you believe in justification by faith alone, you're cursed to hell with no possible way of, of being redeemed. You can't reconcile those and say we're the same. I mean, that is a mutually exclusive thing. It's, it's like you see the same exact thing. The Mormon church is going through it. They say that the church fell away and they have the true gospel. And now they're trying to say they're Christians like us. Jehovah Witnesses say we have it all wrong. Now they're saying they're Christian like us. And it. I understand this ecumenical movement where everyone wants to say we're the same. But understand the way that we as biblical Christians, and that's how I end up making this distinction, is biblical Christians versus Roman Catholic. 
because I'm making the distinction that we have a different belief system. So if, just saying if there's anyone's listening who is Roman Catholic and they heard you say, Tim, that we're, you know, we're Christians and they're not, it's it's that we're you're using the term specifically to mean those who believe in a salvation that's purely and only of God alone, not of a church, not of works. And there's a distinction. That's the distinction made. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And um if you if if anybody's out there, if you want to go back and listen to Semper Fermanda uh, Radio episode 19, I believe that this is the episode that my family got a hold of, in which I I answer the question as to why uh Christ, why why Catholics and Christians are not the same, and it's important to point out that the very thing that made Martin Luther a Christian is the very thing that got him kicked out of Church of Rome, and they are mutually exclusive. So. If you are a Christian, then you can't be a Catholic, and if you're a Catholic, then then you're not you're not ultimately saved. And th this goes back to words mean something, and so I'm I'm using these words in in the sense in which they are defined. A Roman Catholic is one who believes in what the Church of Rome teaches uh, about salvation, and if you if you believe in the gospel of justification by faith alone, then you are not Roman Catholic. And that's the very thing that makes you a Christian. The verse that I have in, in Galatians 4.16, it says, have I, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? This is the question that I would have for my own family. This is the question that I would have for people who are offended and upset with me. I believe that the, the Bible and the Word of God is the truth. Are you offended with me? Have I become your enemy? Because I'm I'm telling you. And, and here's the thing. I wanna I wanna go ahead and open up a little bit about why I became a, a Protestant. Because when you know I'm I'm appealing a lot to the Bible. And when I started going down this journey of reading the Bible and trying to learn what, or I was going through Roman Catholic catechism and reading the Bible at the same time, and I was finding out that they were irreconcilable. The, you know, one of the things is that they believe that Mother Mary is the co-mediator between God and man. Well, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. And the reason that it says the man Jesus Christ, we believe that God is that Jesus Christ is the the eternal Son of God. Um, the reason that it says the man of Jesus Christ is because man had sinned and man had to die, and so God had to become a man to die in the place of sinful man. And only Christ, as a man, could have gone to the cross and paid the penalty for man. But it says that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And so Roman, Catholic, Roman Catholicism says, well, no, me, Mother Mary is a co-mediator. The Bible repeatedly says, I mean, in, in Luke 18, Jesus, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus looks at him and he says, uh, he says, why do you call me good? For there is none good except for God. And I believe that's Luke uh, 18. I'll, I'll look it up. But, um, you know, they, so he says, nobody is good except for God. And, and, uh, in Romans, we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, uh, 11. For all uh, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And um, you know what, Andrew? I'm gonna, I didn't write these 
these verses down, so I'm going to look them up real fast. Um, I hope nobody minds. But I just want to be accurate about this because I'm hoping that family members and other people will go to the scriptures. It, uh, starting in verse 11, it says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Now, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that Mother Mary was sinless. Well, the Bible says something completely different. Um, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we know that, that Christ is not included in that because he is God in the flesh. So we can look at Christ and we can say that Christ is sinless. And when, when, I, when I began going through this, this, you know, well, what's true, the Bible or the Catholic Church, a lot of people will say, well, the Bible was written by men. Well, okay, but the Bible was divinely inspired and divinely preserved. Now, one of the, one of the things that I started to do was I started to look, okay, what has changed? Was it the Roman Catholic Church or was it the Scriptures? So the Bible was written by men, and, and people like to use the phone tag. Uh, I guess it's – I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but a game where you – the telephone game telephone where you tell game. one person – yeah, you tell one person something, then that person tells somebody else, and that person tells somebody else, and by the time it gets to the 10th person, the message is completely changed. This doesn't take into account the, the fact that the, the Bible is divinely inspired and divinely preserved. One of the interesting things that I, I learned was that the, the Dead Sea Scrolls testify to this. Now, there are other books included in the Dead Sea Scrolls, but what we find in the Dead Sea Scrolls is exactly what we have uh, in, in the Old Testament today. And if you would do a little bit of research, you would find that there is, there is tremendous evidence for the accuracy of the New Testament. And there's the reason to believe that the Bible has not changed. Well, well let me let me address that a little. Go for I, it. I have a, a new book that will be coming out hopefully before the, the summer, uh, probably hopefully like in the March time frame. And I have a chapter in there on biblical reliability. And I make the argument that the Bible is 99.96% accurate. It's not as, you know, people try to make it sound like it's this telephone game, but when it really comes down to it, we're, we're dealing with roughly 66 words that we can't get back to their original meaning, we, and, and the meaning actually changes out of 138,000 words. It's not very much, you know. So when we look at this, the meaning of the Bible hasn't changed. And those areas, even if you take the areas where we do have a meaning that changes or something we can't get back to the original, because of the vast number of manuscripts we have, we know where those spots are. And we know they don't affect any of the doctrines of the Christian faith. What's the, do you have a title for the book? The next book will be What Do We Believe? Oh, man. I, I'm going to get that book. I, um, I, I would encourage everybody else to get that. Um, and be sure to let us know when it comes out. Oh, and I will. So I appreciate you, you adding to what I said because what I found was that the Bible 
the, the essentially the message of the Bible essentially had not changed. And if you study the Protestant Reformation, that's exactly what happened. They went back to the scriptures. And so Martin Luther was trying to reform the church initially, and he was unable to do that. And then so then came the protest. But he wanted to call the church back to the word of God. And, and we, see, we see this happen in the Old Testament. The, the the Jewish nation would, would turn away from, from the Word of God and, and God would send the prophets to call them back to the Word of God. And oftentimes it happened within a matter of, uh, of a generation or so. But when I started looking at this, I, th I thought, okay, either, either the Catholic Church has changed or the Bible's changed because... They they are ir they're in in contradiction to one another, and a contradiction is is completely irreconcilable. You you, you cannot reconcile a, a true contradiction. And let me let me just read this. I asked uh, I asked Brother Timothy Kaufman to to uh, I asked him a question about the the when the church began to believe that Mother Mary was sinless. And uh, Kaufman, Kaufman writes, Mary's sinlessness was not proposed as an idea until 370, 373 A.D. Now, for the, it wasn't until the 4th century that the idea of Mother Mary being sinless was even proposed. And he says uh, her, her, her domitian and assumption finds no historical basis until the 5th or 6th century. Her... Immaculate Conception was not defined as, as formal dogma until, get this, 1854 A.D. And her bodily assumption into heaven was not formalized as a dogma until 1950. So church history is not on your side. The well, Bible... Not, not only that, logic is not on the side if you understand Immaculate Conception. Because the Immaculate Conception is the idea that Mary could not be, could not give birth to a sinless being if she was a sinner. And so they, the idea of the Immaculate Conception, and many people think the Immaculate Conception is dealing with the, birth, the conception of Christ. It's the conception of Mary, mm -hmm. that Mary was conceived without sin because a sinless being can't give birth or a sinful being can't give birth to a sinless being. So Mary had to have this supernatural conception where she didn't have sin. Here's the logical fallacy, because Mary's mother would have had to be sinless as well to give birth to Mary and her mother and her mother and her mother and her mother. So if you're going to say that, well, because the only thing you can say then is, well, Mary was specially chosen to be sinless. Well, why? Why wouldn't that be Christ who was born without a father? We know his conception was miraculous. Right. And it goes along with the fact that the reason Christ, that I would argue Christ was sinless, is because of Romans 5, 12 and following, that mm -hmm. sin is passed on to the from father to child. And right. so Christ didn't have a human father, therefore he didn't have a sin nature. Right. And, and had a human father. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. I, I thought you were done. That's Sorry. exactly that's exactly what I ask is, did Mary have a father? Because <laughs> if Mary had a father, then she was a sinner. And and more than that, uh, scripture 
testifies to this. And and but here here's what I want to point out um, just about this is that nobody in in early church nobody in church history believed that Mary ascended into heaven. Nobody. No, uh, nobody for, for centuries believed that Mary was sinless. The, it wasn't until the fourth century. It's not what the it's not what the early church believed. And and so what you see is that you see a progression in the Catholic Church that moves away from Scripture and and ultimately becomes completely contradictory to Scripture. Now, I I had to, so so people want to say, well, the Bible is written by men. Well. We know that the doctrines of the Catholic Church have have progressed and have actually become more and more antagonistic towards the Scriptures. Now, my question is this: You you want to say that you're a Christian? Okay, well, do you believe do you believe Christ? Do you believe Christ when He says no one is good except for God? Do you believe the Bible when it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? All would include Mother Mary, or Mary, the mother of of Jesus. Do you do you believe that? And if you don't, and here's here's what I want to ask: is if you don't believe the Bible, there, okay, on what basis or grounds do you believe the do you believe the Bible when it talks about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins, when it talks about Jesus raising from the from the dead uh, on the third day? On what on what grounds do you believe any of the Bible? And if you want to then appeal back to the church and say, well, we know that these things are true because of the church. Well, let's keep in mind. That the church has changed its position throughout history, and it's not just about the the doctrines of Mary. It's about a number of things. And if you if you want to appeal to to the Roman Catholic Church, well, knowing that they've changed and that they're not going to tell you what they've changed, how do you know how do you know that that the Catholic Church now is is the right Catholic Church and and not what the early church fathers believed? I. You know, if, if my family wants to write a response to me, I would I would love that because I would love to talk to them. I've, you know, some somebody told me, well, stop, just stop talking about Roman Catholics and and stop shoving it down people down people's throats. I haven't I haven't like talked to, I haven't talked to anybody in my extended family about this because I know how hostile they are to this, and I know that they I don't have an ear with them. And when my when my two cousins and I, I want to say this to my cousin Richard and my cousin uh, Dawson, I am I am so grateful for these guys. They have been such a huge blessing and such a huge uh, support for me. And, and I, I'm so grateful that they're willing to have these difficult conversations. Both of them, both of them are are bold. Both of them are are loving. They they have I, I mean, they're they're doing a very difficult task. And I want them to know that I'm praying for their efforts daily, and I'm so I'm so grateful for them because they're talking to people that I've not had the opportunity to talk to, because I know how how hostile my family can can get towards something like this. And I wanna I wanna let everybody out there know that if you are if you're faithful, there there's a cost to being obedient. If you are faithful to the gospel, if you are faithful to Christ, if you are faithful to uh, what what Andrew read earlier in, in in the book of Matthew, then you're going to you're going to have those difficult conversations, and you're going to you're going to have to stand 
when people don't like you, when people just want to disown you because you've said some things that are difficult for them to deal with. Well, let me say this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> and for, for folks who may be Roman Catholic or, or anyone else that says, well, why has this Jewish guy going to talk about Roman Catholicism? Uh, I've done my homework. <laughs> I've written a book on not only Roman Catholicism, but several other religions. And one of the things that we see, and, and I'm going to quote from the Catholic Catechism, paragraph 491 says, through the centuries, the church has become ever more aware that Mary, full of grace through God, was redeemed from the moment of her conception. The, the important is, is importance of it is that the, the Catholic catechism itself teaches that the doctrine of Mary has developed through the centuries. It's not the same as it was early on. Right, and and so let me let me tackle this. One of the things that made everybody upset was the fact that I said that the apparitions of Mother Mary were demonic, and I it's it's very simple. The Bible says to test the spirits, test test uh, what people say, test uh, how do I how do I know that Joseph Smith, if he saw an apparition, that you know the angel Moroni, that that was a demonic being. How do I know that? Well. If, if there's a couple of options here one is he was either delusional that I think that's that's an option he was he was delusional another could be that he made it up but if you if you look at Joseph Smith the guy was a dunce he wasn't he wasn't very intelligent the the initial Book of Mormon had I think over 18,000 errors mistakes in it I don't think he was smart enough to start that. And now that the, the Mormon religion boasts 11 million people, I look at that and I think there's got to be a, a spiritual influence there. Well, how do I know that when, when Mother Mary appeared and said, Behold, I am the Immaculate Conception, that that was a lying spirit? Well, because I can go back to the Bible and I can see what the Bible says. That it, where, where it says that Christ alone was the Immaculate Conception, that all have sinned, and, and it even gets further. I don't have the biblical reference, but uh, you know Mary says that uh, Jesus was her Savior, and Jesus, uh, you know, uh, I, I wish that I, I had the time to look that up. I didn't, but uh, John MacArthur gives an excellent message on on Mother Mary that I can. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to hear it, I can I can try to find it and email you. Um, but I, I can look at that and I can say, you know, the, the Bible says that Satan can present himself as an angel of light. Now, as a Christian, I have a supernatural worldview. I believe that there's a God. I believe that there's a devil. Jesus told the Pharisees, you, you have another father. Your father's the devil. Now, I, I can look at the, the, the spirit that came and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, that all of these apparitions have contradicted Christ and his word. And the Bible warns us of this. And it tells us not to go beyond what is written. So I can look at that and I can say, well, that's a lying spirit. If So if these things really did happen, and I do believe that they really did happen, I believe that 
I mean, the, the testimonies, the evidence that, that these things are taking place, I really do believe that they're happened, that, that they've happened. But the question becomes, are they from God? And now God is not going to contradict himself. And I've, as I've already stated, we have, we have tremendous, we know that the dogma has changed and we know that the word of God has not changed. So when these apparitions came, I believe that they're lying spirits. And and I I don't know if if I have anything more to say about that, but Andrew, I, I want to I, I want you know I, I want to tackle this this question because a lot of people, when you bring the message of Christ, when you bring a lot, and, and I, I so now I I want to encourage people out there who are Christian, who are like myself, who are having these conversations because. There will be an attempt to silence them. There will be an attempt to to get them to shut up. We don't want to hear it. And one of the things it's it's I think a form of manipulation. One of the things that people get really upset. People get really angry. And then because the person that you're talking to gets upset, everybody else looks at you and says, "Well, you're the problem." You know, and and it's basically this. Well, you know, it's it's not you know it's just the way that you come off or it's the way that you that you're talking and it's the way that that you know you 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 said it for a number of years and, and gosh everybody out there should should know that I I I hate controversy I hate conflict I get a knot in my stomach just thinking about the next time that I'm gonna I'm gonna go and and see these family members at a family function I. I hate conflict, but in doing a podcast, I, I, I recognized that I was going to have to be faithful to, if I'm going to put myself out there, I'm going to have to be faithful to the best of my ability to the word of God, which means that I'm, you know, uh, it, you would, you would think from listening to Semper Reformanda radio that we just love conflict. We don't, we, 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 we don't thrive in conflict, but in, in, being faithful, you're going to have have to have these com these, these difficult conversations. And a number of years ago, people, because w when I started calling out Tim Keller, I started calling out Tim Keller probably about three years ago. And at the time, nobody was seeing what I was seeing. Nobody was, and as a matter of fact, the pastor that I was talking to at the time, he actually said, none of us are seeing what you're seeing. And it wasn't until I actually left that church and I found that other people were seeing what I was seeing that I found some validation to the concerns that I had, but what kept happening was this: people would look at would look at me and say, and, and criticize because people would get upset when I would try to tell them, like you know, um, I don't I don't think that this is right, and people would get upset with me and find fault with me. So I became acutely aware in every and practically every conversation how I was coming off, my tone of voice, what I was saying how I was saying it, and I remember Carlos, uh, the the guy who started the, the podcast with me, and hopefully Carlos can come back one of these days, but Carlos, one time, he asked me, he says, why are you apologizing? Why are you just falling all over yourself apologizing for everything? And I realized that, you know what, I was doing that. I was, oh, you know, I'm... I'm I just, you know, I want to submit this to you and, and just, you know, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to upset you. And before the people even got upset. And what I realized is this, is that 
if you are aware of your tone of voice when you talk to people that you Christ, if you are respectful, then don't allow people to try to silence you when they get upset by finding fault with you. Because they, they will. And they'll say, well, it's, it's, what you're, it's how you're saying it. When in fact, the real problem is it's what you're saying. That's what makes them mad. That's what, what gets them riled up and fired up. As a matter of fact, the example that I want to give for this, and my cousin Dawson sent me this, this uh, passage, which I, I mean, again, I'm so grateful for these guys uh, just standing by me as a support in all of this. But you don't, you don't believe me that, that this, this happens? Let me, let me read to you Matthew 13. Uh, verses 57 through 59. Now Jesus is is preaching in his in his hometown. As a matter of fact, I'll start in uh, in verse 53. So this is Matthew 13 verses 53 through 58, and it, it reads: And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these works? Is not this the carpenter's son? And that's a dig. That's a dig at, at Christ. Um, is not his mother Mary, called Mary? Jesus came from Nazareth, a very lowly place. He came from a carpenter. He, he was the, the son of, of Joseph the carpenter. And so he now they're marveling at the fact that he's at his teachings. And they're saying, this was the, the kid that came from nowhere. But listen to this. Uh, continuing on, it says, and are not his brothers James and, and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said, said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his, own, in, in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So Jesus is, is teaching. And they're impressed with his teaching. But then it says that they took offense with him. So if they're going to take offense with Jesus, they're going to take offense with you. They're going to, they're, they're going to be offended. And we can look at uh, you know, Acts uh, 7.51, or uh, in, in chapter 7, uh, where Stephen rebukes the Jews and he, he calls them a stiff-necked generation. He, he says, you're stiff-necked. And in that sermon, in, in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is preaching, they became so offended with him that they stoned him immediately to death. They stoned him immediately to death. And so people are going to want to say, well, you know, just keep the peace. Just, you know, don't, don't, okay, we're having, we're having a nice dinner. Don't bring this up. Don't don't bring don't bring up the the you know the Bible. Don't talk about religion. Okay, well you're gonna have to make a choice. Do I do I do I? And, and here here's here's the other thing. There's folks. There, there's balance. Okay, you don't want to shove it down people's throats and and just. I mean, if they're if they're willing to hear it, then great. Um, you don't want to cause unnecessary fights. You don't want to quarrel over, over frivolous things. If I get the opportunity to talk to a, a Jehovah's Witness about Jesus, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. I'm not gonna argue over birthdays. I'm not going to argue over these these other 
second, you know, whether or not you should celebrate Christmas and what the Christmas tree is. I'm going to talk about Christ. If I'm going to talk to my family about about faith, I'm going to talk about the, the issue of justification by faith alone and placing their faith in Christ alone for their salvation. That That's my encouragement to to everybody out there. I am going to send this to my family so that they know where I stand, and I'm going to invite them to write to me. Everybody in my family has my personal email. For those of you who do not have my personal email, guess what? I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> um, but you can email me at semper.reformanda.radio at gmail.com. Uh, Andrew, I want to thank you for coming on. And I, before, we, before we close, I want to ask you, is there anything else that you would like to say, Any, anything else that you would like to add to what I've already said? Yeah, I'll say this. Yeah, so I, I have a book called What What Do They Believe? It's it's on different world religions. And here's the thing that I've discovered after 14 years of in-depth study of other religions. I believe there's only two religions in the entire world. And and to some listening, they're going to go, what? Don't you know you, you even mentioned Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Islam? And No, no, there's two. Because what really defines the religion is going to be whether it's a moral system, a system of works, or if it's a divine system. So any man-made system is going to be one where man lifts up man man's effort as the ultimate thing that gets us in a right state with God. And so it's very simple to figure out objectively what is the true religion. A true religion is a religion where God does all of the work 100% and man does nothing. He has no involvement, and God does everything. Anywhere where we see a religion where human effort is raised up in any way, even if it's faith plus works, as Mormonism teaches, as Catholicism teaches, it's man-made. And that sounds harsh. I understand. But the question is, do you want to be right, for the, even if you are spend eternity in a lake of fire? Or would you rather be right because you know God has said so. And the issue that is, is that I've had to leave what I was raised to believe because I believed in the truth, not the tradition. And there's a big difference between the two. And anyone that's in a traditional system has to come to terms with that. There's, there is only one truth. And it is that we can't put our trust in human effort. Human effort, in fact, is the very thing God will judge us by. God says in the book of Revelation that there's two books that we're going to be judged by. First book is called the Lamb's Book of Life. And anyone whose name is in the Lamb's Book of Life will be have entrance and be welcomed into eternity with Christ. The second book, the one that will condemn people, and most people don't realize this, but the book, the name of that book is the Book of works. The very works that people are trusting in as giving them credit or earning them salvation are going to be the very things that condemn them to an eternity in a lake of fire. As Because, and I want you to think about this, I know it sounds harsh, but just think about this. If we stand before God when he, God Almighty, the creator of the universe, became a man to die on a cross 
a wicked way of death. And he could have chosen lethal injection. He could have waited to lethal injection. He chose to die the death of a cross as a payment of sin for us. God does this. And we turn to God and say, but look at my good works. I, I walked that old lady across the street. I, I did this. I, I you know, gave money to the church. Anything you say to what Christ did on the cross diminishes the work of God to lift up the work of man. It doesn't matter if it's faith plus works. You're diminishing the cross and what Christ did and saying that's of little value and what you count more is what we do. And that's the ultimate in, in disrespect to God. And there's nothing he could do but to judge us for the works that we think are so good. That's why in Isaiah, God says that our good works are like filthy rags. Not to get too graphic, but in the Hebrew, that word for filthy rags is a menstrual rag. That's what God thinks of our good works. Because they're not good. They're acts of pride. So my my challenge to any who, who are listening who may not have before this been converted to Christ, my challenge to you is to not trust in your tradition, whether it's Judaism, as I believed. I believed I was going to heaven because I was Jewish. That's how I was raised. Many Catholics believe the same. Many others in Islam, the same. So, So what you have is you have to put away your tradition, your genealogy, your works, your belief that you just want to go to heaven. It's of God. This is exactly the issue that God says in in John chapter 1, very beginning of John. He lays this out and he says in John John 1, uh, 12 and 13, But all who did receive him, who have believed in his name, have the right to become a child of God. So not everyone's a child of God, only those who receive Christ. And then he says, who are born not of blood, not of the will of of flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. So what you see is it's not of it's not of blood. In other words, not our genealogy, not being Jewish or not being Catholic. That's not going to save us. It's not by our by the will of uh, the, the will of the flesh. In other words, our works that we do. And it's not by the will of man, just our desire. It's of God. And if you are trusting anything other than Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross alone, my challenge is to you is to repent and turn to Jesus Christ and live. That was excellent. I, I really want to thank you for that. And I want to, let me, let me point out something that to back up what you've said. In the book of Galatians, Starting in ver- ver- uh, the very first chapter, Paul is confronting a very serious issue, and he wastes no time in getting getting to that issue. What has happened in the Galatian church, which is predominantly a Gentile congregation, is that there have come among them Judaizers who were saying, essentially, that in order to be saved that you had to be circumcised. Now, this goes back to the Jewish uh, the the Old Testament Jewish law, and whether or not you were part of you were included as as part of the people of God. One of one of the things that you had to do was you had to be circumcised. And Paul confronts this as a false gospel. So these these Gentiles are not circumcised, and these Judaizers come in and they are affirming Christ. 
but they're adding to the finished work of Christ on the cross. And they're saying essentially that Christ, what he did at the cross was, was not enough that you have to also do this. Now, now keep in mind that they added one thing to that. That was circumcision. Roman Catholicism today has added multiple things to that. It is far, far worse. And Paul in, in chapter 1, he says, Let anyone who comes to you and preaches to you a false gospel, let him be anathema. Let him be cursed. Now, I want to read to you what Paul says in chapter 5. Starting in verse 2, he says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ is of no advantage to you. I testify again, every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly waited for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor, nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now, a couple of things here. Paul says that you are, you are cut off from Christ, that Christ is of no advantage to you, that you've fallen away from grace. Now, this does not mean that you can lose your salvation if you are truly saved. What this is, is, is saying is that if you accept obedience to God as a means as a, of, of meriting favor, you are completely cut off because you, you have rejected the free gift of salvation. Now, a gift is something that you receive without having to work. And this is why the Bible says that, that salvation is a gift. You, it's, not that, it's not that Protestants think like, oh, well, you shouldn't do good works. No, if, if, you, if you don't have any fruit in your life, I'm going to call you a hypocrite. I'm going to call you a hypocrite and a liar, and I'm going to tell you to repent, and I'm going to tell you to examine yourself because it's possible that you've, that you've not really been converted. And that would be a false profession of faith, and that's exactly what James confronts, uh, James chapter 2. But Paul says that he says, I testify again to everyone who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Now, when you say that, oh, well, our good works add to what Christ did on the cross, your good works are works which are in accordance with the law to, to, do, to do good to your neighbor and to love God. The problem is, is that every single one of you, and me included, so I'm not, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat, Every single one of us has broken the law. James says that if you've broken the law in one part, then you've broken it in all parts. Because the same person who said, do not lie, also said, do not murder. And that's in James 2. I'm not quoting it uh, direct. I'm not quoting it. Um, I'm not quoting it directly. But that's that's essentially what James is saying. And, and my my plea to you is this, that, if you if you look at what Paul says in Galatians and you appeal to what Rome says, well, I believe in good works. Well, I believe that that we have I'm trusting in my good works, and ultimately you're not trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And Paul says, if you're going to go that route, you have to keep the whole law. You have to be perfect, like Christ was perfect. The whole reason that Christ came and died on the cross for you is because you could not save yourself. So that's my, that's my final plea to people who are trusting in their, in their good works, who are saying that, that 
you know, your good works can add to what Christ has already done. I, I would strongly encourage you to, um, to reject that. And, and as Andrew rightly said, to repent and place your faith in Christ today. Look, this has been a very, very difficult episode for me. I knew that this was coming. I knew that this was going to happen. I know that there's going to be further fallout from this. If you would like to keep me in your prayers, I, I need it. I remember when I was a kid, I when, when I went to a private school, and one of the one of the older ladies, she came up and she said, uh, she said, "Oh, I've been praying for you," and I got really offended <laughs> because I was like, "I was good, you know. Why why are you praying for me?" And so I I I, I you know I puffed up and I told her, "Yeah, well." I've been praying for you. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, oh, thank you. I need it. And it, it made me realize what a pompous jerk I was because <laughs> it's like I need prayer. If uh, if you are kind enough to, to pray for me, I may never meet you. I, you know, I, I would certainly appreciate that. I, I think Andrew asking for, for prayer uh, concerning his father was was – an example that we can all follow. If you would like prayer with your family, if you would like to, uh, if, you, if you have any questions, once again, you can email us at uh, semper.reformanda.radio at gmail.com. And with that, I want to hey, say thank you. Know, yeah. I just want to say for, for you and for folks, it, you know, you put yourself out here. In, it shows a, a, a level of humility to do a show like this tonight most people would just not put this out there and and so i think you're you're acting in a way of being encouragement to others as well and so uh i just i just want to thank you and i thank you for having me on oh it's been too long andrew <laughs> we should have had you on a lot sooner and as a matter of fact uh, back, back when you were talking new covenant theology you mean <laughs> uh, don't bring that up don't bring that up things are good Things are good right now. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah, anyways, um, we have more to talk about, by the way. But uh, Andrea, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been a, a huge blessing. I. Uh, so anybody who who wants to know if I hate Jews, I don't. <laughs> um, I, I love my family. I love those who who crisis. I, I love my neighbor, and I hope that you that you hear that. And I know that Andrew feels the same way. So with that, we're going to close out today's episode, and I thank you and hope you'll tune in next week. God bless. Mm -hmm.